morning. How we doing? All right. Hey, there's, uh, there's one store that is just notorious for getting you off track. You go in for one thing. You guys don't know what I'm going to say yet. You go in for, notice all the women are laughing. You, you go in for one simple necessity. So if it's me, I go in for a stick of deodorant, a little Neutrogena face wash, all out of Motrin, got to get a bottle of Motrin. And especially if women are involved, a, a.k.a. my wife, Rachel, <laughs> you leave with way more than you expected when you walked in. Oh, look at that cute little throw pillow. We already have eight on the couch, but we need one more to complete for the spring season. Oh, look at those candles. Lavender wood scent. They always have weird names now. Oh, house plants. We need, we need two more house plants on our bookshelves. And then the infamous dollar, one dollar location right there at the front. Uh, section right here. Oh, we got a $1 person right here. I won't say their name. And you know, the $1 section, it's always, that stuff is low quality, cheap stuff, but it always gets you. And then throw in a couple more shirts. Uh, it's almost like this store is uh, like pumping through their air vents this sense of distraction and more money. And what you expect to be a simple five-minute trip, you go to your aisle, you get your thing, you go to the self-checkout, and you're out, ends up being a 45-minute exploration that tests your patience. Any guesses as to what store I'm talking about? Whoa, yes, it is Target! There's a lot of men in here who live my life and know what I'm talking about. How many women in here, yes, maybe I'm being a little sexist this morning, uh, who have that evil, malicious, sinful Target red card? <laughs> yes, you know who you are. Let me just tell you, as someone who has their bachelor's in marketing, you think, yeah, you save 5% off everything in the store, but they just do that so that you spend more money. They get you, you don't get them. Guys, you want a secret? Here's the brilliant, I'm actually a big Target fan now too. The secret is they have that online drive-up service thing. You, you put it in your app order, all you do, you go up to the parking spot, you text them your, your parking thing number, and they come out and bring the groceries to you and they'll put them in your car. Here's why this is brilliant. Because then you never have to go inside the store and get caught up in all these extra purchases and it saves you from uh, sinning even more. <laughs> See, I, I don't like getting distracted. I don't like waiting. I'm not a patient person. Uh, more often than not, I am always in a hurry. I, I can go to Target for just one thing Get it and go. But that's not the case with my wife, Rachel. <laughs> um, this morning, as we continue marching our way through John Mark's autobiography of Jesus of Nazareth, 
we, uh, we read a, a story about a guy named Jairus. Jairus is a, um, he's a religious man. In fact, he's, he's a synagogue leader. Would have been really well known in the community. Completely devoted to God, a community leader. Well respected, probably upper middle class. You get the point. And he's got one really important need. And just one. And it's far more important than me, you know, picking up a stick of deodorant or Motrin, although I'm sure the people around me want me to have that deodorant. He is on a desperate, laser-focused mission for Jesus to give him just one thing. So here's what we read, Mark chapter 5. We'll start at verse 21. Mark 5, 21, page 685 in the Orange Bibles. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, if you were here last year or last week, he, he went across the lake, now he's coming back the other way. A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And if you're a dad here, I mean, you have a little girl. I have a two-year-old little girl. She just got stung by a bee for the first time a couple weeks ago. When I found that out, my heart, I was in like daddy protection mode. Well, this guy, his sweet little angel girl is dying. You don't mess with a man whose little girl is dying. So Jesus, verse 24, went with him. Jesus gets it. He's on the way. They're heading to his house. Now notice what happens at the the second part of verse 24. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Uh, Maybe think of it this way. If you've gone to Disneyland and you walk down Main Street right after the fireworks show, which, by the way, that's a, that's a rookie mistake for anybody who goes to Disneyland, because you're walking, I mean, literally shoulder to shoulder. I mean, it's like someone could pickpocket you. You wouldn't even notice. Tons of people. Picture that. That's the crowd that's pressing around Jesus. Verse 25. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had... Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Again, Main Street, Disneyland, there's so many people here. But Jesus kept looking around to to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. 
Go in peace, go in shalom, and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus. Remember him? The synagogue leader. Don't mess with with the dad and his daughter. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. This is an insane scene that John Mark is providing for us. And make no mistake about it, he is absolutely on purpose sandwiching two stories together. And we're to look at these two stories, Jairus and his daughter, and then this woman who's bleeding. We're supposed to look at them and compare and contrast because he wants to make a point. Jesus is on his way going to Jairus' house to heal his daughter who is dying. Young girl, we learn later on that actually she's 12 years old. And on the way, there's this huge crowd pressing against Jesus, and he gets interrupted. Jesus, maybe you could say it like this, he gets distracted. The text tells us that he stops. He feels like this, this power this energy, if you will, go out of his body. Kind of a fun thing to know, the Greek word for power there is dynamis, which is where we get the word dynamite from. And his disciples, I mean, picture this, his disciples are like, come on, who cares, Jesus? There's all these people, you're not gonna be able to figure out who touched you. We got more important things to do and to go. We have a well-known religious leader's daughter to heal and save. Come on, let's go. Rachel, come on, let's go. Put that stupid throw pillow away. We got to go. I do know a good counselor, Danny. (laughs) But Jesus stops. But Jesus waits. But Jesus lets himself get distracted. And to make matters worse, it is though almost that Jesus stops at the $1 section. What do I mean? Why do I make a comparison to the dollar section? Well, this lady that reaches out to Jesus and touches his cloak, She's bleeding. Um, Most scholars think she has some form of like a hemorrhage. And she's had this for 12 years. 12 years, more than a decade. And oh, by the way, Jairus' daughter is 12 years old. We are to compare. In the first century Jewish culture, here's what you have to know. It's going to be so hard for us to wrap our minds around this. We may not even want to. But Jesus was a a great, brilliant Jewish rabbi. And in Jewish law in the first century, this woman was considered unclean. Now, Mark, why, why is she considered unclean? Here's why. Turn to Leviticus. We don't ever turn to Leviticus, and there's a reason for that. You'll find out. Leviticus chapter 15. Third book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus is Jewish law. 
you do your morning devotionals and you go through Leviticus, let me know beforehand and I'll pray for you. Verse 25. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. Any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean, as in her bed during her monthly period. And anything she sits on will be unclean as during her period. By the way, welcome to the bridge if you're new. You know what I mean? Like, please come back. Maybe you like this, I don't know, anyways. Verse 27, and check this out. Anyone who touches them will be unclean. They must wash their clothes and bathe with water, and they will be unclean till evening. Our God is allow, allows the unclean to touch him so that they might become clean. For 12 long years, this woman is isolated, marginalized, and ostracized from society because of a hemorrhage that she has, that she has no control over. And we actually read that she's gone to doctors, and the doctors can't solve it. And not only do they can't solve it, they actually make it worse, and she loses more money because she's gone to the doctors so much without solving it. Twelve long years. Things are only getting worse. She's a lost cause. She has a chronic illness, and now it's very safe to assume that she's getting old. And Jesus stops for her. Jesus, you're committing malpractice. You're committing malpractice, Jesus. Now, we know this from being in COVID. I mean, how many times did you watch the news where the hospitals would be overflooded, there are not enough resources, not enough doctors, not enough re- uh, nurses, whatever, and what doctors had to do in the last two years, which was so sad, is they ended up having to choose sometimes what patients to treat. And, and, and the guidelines that they were given was, okay, if someone's young and you have someone that's old, you go with the young person who's got a bright future who hasn't lived yet. If someone's got already pre-existing chronic conditions, you go with the person who has acute conditions. Lady with hemorrhage, old, chronic, no future, lost cause, 12-year-old girl, bright future, she'll get married soon at that age. She's going to have children. Jesus stops. Jesus isn't in a hurry. Jesus isn't in a hurry. Jesus isn't in a hurry because he's always calmly present in every moment. Actually, there are no distractions for Jesus. Distractions only happen if you're in a hurry. Can you imagine being Jairus, 
Can you imagine being his entourage, his servants? Again, he's a well-known figure. Jesus is on the way. They see him stopping the crowds. Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Come on, let's go. They would have been full of anxiety, fear, frustration, and impatience, and I do not blame them. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Jesus, um, you've taken too long. Forget about it. It's over, whatever, let's move on. Verse 36, Jesus responds, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. I remember seven, eight years ago being a part of one of my best friend's wedding. And um, there are two other of us, we're, we call it the core four, four of us best friends. One's getting married, and then us three were in the wedding party. And um, the wedding ceremony is about ready to start. So we're all up there, lining as we should, hands aligned, looking sharp, if I might say. <laughs> Every once in a while. Thank you, Tom. And the bride's nowhere to be. She's got a couple sisters on her side, bridesmaids. They're not anywhere. Time hits, whatever it was, five o'clock, six o'clock. They're not here. We're standing up front. <laughs> Everyone's sitting there. I see a lot of phones come out, watches. And I'm like, man, is this girl gonna ghost my boy? Like, am I gonna be in one of those weddings where I actually see it happen where, like, in this case, the bride doesn't show up? This is where my mind's going. This is where my friends' minds are going. We're very suspicious at this time. I'm getting antsy, I'm anxious, I'm getting frustrated. It's hot, I'm in the sun, put me in the shade. But here's what I notice. Everyone in her family and her friends is as calm and cool as the ocean breeze. Everything's fine. Don't worry. You Americans are so rushed. <laughs> See, my friend was marrying into a girl in her family of, of a different nationality, had a different understanding of time. And she's not late. This isn't abnormal. Nothing's wrong. 45 minutes later, <laughs> she shows up. See, what do we tell you? Everything's okay. Everything's fine. You just need to relax. You just need to trust us. Tim Keller, well-known pastor in New York, says this. In essence, Jesus says to Jairus, trust me, 
Be patient. There's no need to hurry. Every culture has a different sense of time. God's sense of timing will confound ours, no matter what culture we're from. His grace rarely operates according to our schedule. Speaking for Jesus, I'm telling you that my grace and love are compatible with what seems to you to be unconscionable delays. It's not, I will not be hurried even though I love you. It's, I will not be hurried because I love you. I know what I'm doing. And if you try to impose your understanding of schedule and timing on me, you will struggle to feel loved by me. Jesus will not be hurried. And as a result, we often feel exactly like Jairus, impatient because he's delaying irrationally, unconsciously, inornately. This morning, let me ask you, brothers and sisters, are you hurrying Jesus? Are you hurrying Jesus in your life? Put otherwise, does it feel like God is delaying something in your life? And because he's delaying it, are you growing impatient with him? Come on, Jesus, let's go. Don't you know where we have to go? Keller continues on and writes this. But precisely because of the delay, both Jairus and the woman, check this out, get far more than they asked for. Be aware that when you go to Jesus for help, you will both give to and get from him far more than you bargained for. Be patient, because the deal often doesn't work out the way you expected. So let's continue on with the story now, starting back at verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of Jesus. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Real quick, in that culture, um, families would hire professional mourners to come to their house and literally to weep out loud, to yell, to cry loudly. Why? To help them process the grief. It's actually really healthy. We as Westerners don't do that, and that's a whole other sermon. Verse 39, Jesus went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, asleep. They laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with them, and they went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which is Aramaic for, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. Here it is, she was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Notice there that Jesus says, she's not dead, she's asleep. Now, 
This story is actually in other accounts, the other gospels, Matthew and Luke, pretty much the same story. And it's not that Jesus is saying here or thinking, no, she's not actually dead. No, 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 she, she actually, she literally is dead. Jesus, it's not that Jesus doesn't think she's dead. It's this, he knew the ultimate outcome. And check this out. It's not that Jesus, it's not just that he knew the ultimate, count, the ultimate outcome. It's that Jesus actually had the whole situation in his hands. And it's almost like that song. He's got the whole world in his hands. And Jesus, verse 41, takes her hand. And in Aramaic, which would have been Jesus' first language, says, Talitha, kum. And actually, a more literal translation of that is, honey, like, baby girl, it's, it's time to wake up. The sun's coming up. Most of you know I have a, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And this is so true. I mean, all the time, Dad, I hold my hand in the morning when I get eaten out of her crib. Even when we go on a walk and they're not scared, Parker will run up to me and say, Dada, hold my hand. And there's a profound sense of comfort, of, of, of deep consolation. There's an inexplicable power in holding someone's hand. But no human parent is perfect, but the God revealed in and through it, Jesus, he can hold your hand through the darkest of nights. When he isn't working on your schedule, on your timeline, when there are delays and distractions and interruptions that you just don't get, when it actually looks like things are getting worse, not, not just better, they're getting worse, you can still trust him and hold his hand. Because we can trust him that at some point, and it very well, not, it may not be until the new heavens and the new earth, the age to come, that he will genuinely say to you, you're just asleep, death is no more, honey, wake up, it's time to see the sunshine. See, what's fascinating here in these two stories is that both characters had to wait. Both characters faced delay and interruptions. Um, think, think about the woman. Again, she waited 12 years. We tend to focus on the fact that she just touches Jesus and then boom, she's healed. We'll get to that. But no, you got to understand, that was 12 years up to that point. And then Jairus' daughter. Jesus, oh, yep, all right, I'm on my way to heal her. Stops, interrupted, distracted. Everyone thinks that, oh, great, look what you did, Jesus. Now, she's dead. Delays, distractions. But Jesus required faith from both of them. And here's the point. They both got more than what they originally wanted. Jairus' daughter didn't just get healed. She got resurrected. And did you catch what this woman got? Here's what I want to end with. This woman, who is unclean, does an incredibly bold, risky move in that she goes up behind this brilliant Jewish rabbi and reaches out to touch him. 
That's a no-no. You don't do that. You don't allow unclean to touch clean. And at this point, Jesus could have, he could have just kept on walking. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like Jesus had to stop. He sensed, okay, something came out of my body, someone just got healed. He could have just kept on walking, but Jesus stops intentionally for a reason. And what is it? Verse 32. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Then Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in shalom. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. See, this unclean woman, she wanted to do kind of like a hit and run. She kind of wanted to do like a tap and take off. Maybe a lot of scholars say this. It's almost like she thinks Jesus is a magician. Here's the deal. Jesus doesn't say abracadabra, even though that's what she wanted. She would have been embarrassed for Jesus to call her out and have her come forward. She did not want to do that. But here's the point. Jesus Christ doesn't just heal her physically. He wants to transform and restore all the relationships around her, socially, economically, theologically, with the relationship with the healer of the universe. She was isolated and marginalized because she was considered unclean. She needed more than just physical healing. She needed shalom. What's shalom? Shalom is Hebrew for peace, shalom means uh, wholeness, well-being, security, friendship, salvation. Let me repeat Keller's words. Be aware that when you go to Jesus for help, you will both give to and get from him far more than you bargained for. Be patient because the deal often doesn't work out the way you expect it. So let me ask you again. Are you trying to hurry Jesus? Are you trying to hurry Jesus in your life? Are you fully present with everything going on around you in the moment? I know that sounds cliche. But here's the deal, if you're not fully present in the moment around you, you run the risk of actually missing out on something that God is doing right in front of you. Even if you're impatient, frustrated, and disappointed, what is he doing right now? And if it seems like God is delaying something in your life, and by the way, he will, God's time is not ours. God's not, Jesus is not an American. Breaking news. I know that may be shocking for some of us. He's not. He's a Middle Eastern, first century Jewish rabbi, and they didn't hurry. They had a different understanding of time than our culture does. 
And so when you're waiting for Jesus, are you trusting him? And are you going out to grab his hand? The good news of Jesus is this, is that on the cross, Jesus was separated from his father's hand so that you would never have to be. Jesus suffered patiently on the cross so that you and I could experience the hope and power of resurrection. The cross proves to us that he's with us in the waiting, and the resurrection proves that one day he'll say to you, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, yes, you, it's time to wake up. The sun's coming up. Baby girl, wake up. So Jesus holds your hand today. When you, will you receive and hear the whisper of his comfort in the waiting? Don't be afraid. Just believe. I want to invite the worship team back up. We're going to go into a time of ministry. And um, <clears throat> we're not in a hurry. In fact, we're really not in a hurry because I'm done incredibly early. Yeah, we had a meeting about that a couple days ago. Well, here's the deal. There's plenty of time for God to work now. So we're going to do the usual. We're going to sing two songs. And we're also going to do the usual. And that we have a, a holy expectation that the Spirit of God is here. Wanting to hold your hand and bring comfort to your life in the waiting. So we'll have the prayer team up here. And I just want to invite you. Wherever you are, whoever you are. Whatever is going on, we all have lots of going on. Whether what's going on in your life resonates with the story that we just looked at or not, may we be a community that desperately seeks prayer. We're not in a hurry. What is God up to? You may already have your mind made up on your lunch plans. Je Jesus wants to distract from that right now. He's better. He's the living bread. You want, you want food? You want life? Come to the living God of the universe, and he will eternally satisfy your soul. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, minister to us. We just, we want to wait on you, God. We wait on you because we can't do this life on our own. We, we give before you this morning our schedules, our plans. We're going to do this this week. This, 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 this. Lord, we just give them to you right now. 
And some of us, Lord, we, we may need to physically fall on our knees this morning and surrender to you. You're the divine scheduler, not us. If you have to, Jesus, mess up our plans this morning. May we grab a hold of your hand. Talitha Kum. Come, Holy Spirit.